Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where Fine is a Four-Letter Word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. I believe humans have an innate desire to do the right thing in all areas of their business and life. But what is the right thing? And what if it feels wrong to other people when you do it? Dr. Natalie Marr was raised as the middle child of five in a culturally Catholic family where she learned two core values, standing up for the little guy and having a powerful work ethic. As a therapist, she ran into imposter syndrome when she went through not one, but two divorces. How could she help others fix their problems when her own life was so messy and things weren't working out for her? Through it all, she still had her practice and was doing okay and everything seemed fine. But fine is a four-letter word. One day, Natalie made the decision to stop accepting insurance and switch to a private pay model, which meant her practice almost immediately decreased to about 25% of its previous size. She did not like the way insurance treated mental health providers and undervalued their services, and the way it did not pay for specialized treatments and paid providers the same rate based on credentials regardless of their experience or expertise. By refusing to accept insurance, she was living up to her value of standing up for the little guy. Additionally, she was also starting a coaching business and figured once she got that up and running, it would replace her previous income. But this was just when her teenage son was preparing to go to college. How could she be so selfish? How was this in alignment with her value of standing up for the little guy? In this case, her son, who was heading off to college and needed help paying for it. Her decision made a lot of people around her uncomfortable. They criticized and judged her. How did she overcome and persevere? In a moment, when you meet Natalie, you'll learn about her journey towards self-acceptance and applying her deeply rooted values to an ever-changing world. In a society where we're taught to delay self-gratification because it's quote-unquote selfish to do otherwise, you'll discover how you too can change your perspective to enjoy a truly aligned life. Like Natalie, if you find yourself unsure about the right thing to do and people around you are calling you out on your values, it can feel chaotic. One of the key elements in my Staying Calm in Chaos program is how to gain and enjoy radical self-acceptance. I take you by the hand and guide you through how to go from being what others expect you to be to finding and following your truth no matter what. It comes with some powerful mind-changing meditations as well. Check that out at get.stayingcalmincaos.com. It's your time. And now it's time to meet Dr. Natalie Marr. 
We're right on time for our appointment. Come on. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Dr. Natalie Marr. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to be here, Lori. Well, I'm excited to have you here. I I was going to say to have you back, but we actually did a podcast interview where I was a guest on your show. Yes. And so this is our our second time talking, but your first time on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. That's correct. That is correct. And I had such a good time interviewing you. I can only imagine that what we're going to get into today. (laughs) Right, right. And that's how this all came about even because like we had such a good time. We're like, we should do this again. Great. Come on my show. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. But with a little bit different twist because our shows have a little, you know, different 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 flavors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so stay tuned if you're listening, because we'll give you some information about how you can go listen to Dr. Natalie's show in a bit. Let's start out with the question that I love asking all of my guests, which is, what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you became as as a young adult and even into now? That is such a great question. What values? I would say that there is an element um, hard work that came. I I don't know if that's completely just a generational thing because I'm real smack dab in the middle of Gen X, mm-hmm. um, but for sure it was a family thing for us. So just this idea of your own having your own integrity around work ethic. So you drive yourself and you are the responsible party for driving yourself has definitely been something that's influenced me in my lifetime for sure. I think also, though, in my family, um, standing up for the little guy was really mm. important. So I can't, I'm a middle child of five in a, cath- a Catholic culturally Catholic raised family. Actually, it was religiously as well, um, which isn't a big part, but it does influence you. And Uh there was just this air of it's our responsibility if we have privilege to be standing up for those that do not. Um, And that definitely has influenced who I am as a person even today. So I haven't really, I mean, I haven't really thought about my family. (laughs) Like, how did my family raise me? but yeah, for sure, those are two big ones is standing up for the little guy and, and having this just powerful work ethic behind me. Yeah. And then as the middle child, did you did you or do you try to like make sure everybody's OK on either side? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, uh, Lori, but I am a, a solid nine. I can see all sides of all things. And I also am a big peacemaker. And that certainly came out of being a middle child for sure. Has that, I mean, I can see obviously how that would be like of benefit. Mm-hmm. Has it? Has it been uh, a a t- like a a con mm-hmm. also? Like it, I the- mean, there's all right. Everything is a double edged, you know, gift of sorts. So there's there's positives to it for sure, but the negatives are things for me. Like I I tend to be more other oriented. Got myself into the helping profession largely because of that kind of philosophy or that viewpoint that I have. And um, if I'm not watching it, I neglect myself. And so Mm. I would tell you that my entire program, Learn to Love Your Story, kind of is generated out of kind of that life experience and also 
that that was like ideally who I loved working with most was helping people on the journey of recognizing that your own, your the flaw in the ointment here, the fly in the ointment here, the flaw in your reasoning is the fact that you don't pay attention to you and what you need. And if nobody's taking care of you, then all these great things you're trying to generate out in the world, they go down in value as well. So right. if we could just get you to to ground back into the anchor that is yourself and making sure that you're cared for first and most, then really, honestly, you're caring for all the things you care for at the same time. And that logic was not connected by my family. And so to go back yeah. to your first question, right. like, my family, that was like, that's selfish. You don't put yourself first. Middle child syndrome, all those things kind of you know, evolved into this idea of I kept forgetting myself until I hit my 40s and I couldn't not forget. I mean, like, if you forget yourself, then everything gets left behind. The The margins are, get thinner, I think, in our midlife, for sure. Absolutely. So that leads right into the next question of what, at what point did, you know, were you finding your life to be fine, but not fine? It was certainly my second divorce. So my first divorce happened in my late 20s and I had a little infant and I I thought that I knew what that experience was going to be of divorce. Um, but divorcing in midlife and I was in my early 40s is no joke, like no joke what? at all. So wait, was it easier <clears throat> when you were younger? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And it was not easy. So I, I don't want right, anybody right, to be right. like, ah, divorce is super easy. Nope. Um, but I had a little bit of hubris around like, oh, I mean, I can do this because I've done it before that gotcha. like I didn't have any margins at all. And all of these old, you know, tracks that I have in my mind of how I'm going to I'll just I'll just muscle through this. I'll work through it. Um, none of that was working on my side. It was actually wearing me down more. And so I would say that that. Fine is not fine was when I was like, I can't do this. We have to name a thing a thing. So we're going to have to part ways. And then I was like, and now I'm in my 40s and a single mom for the second time. Like it, it messed with my ideas for myself in so many other places in my life. Now I have to be the therapist that divorced twice. Like who the hell wants to go see her? Right. Like I had a lot <laughs> right. of stuff that I had to reckon with um, because it, it impacted me and reverberated into so many parts of my life. I never expected it to. Yeah, I can totally see that because, yeah. I mean, I, and somewhat relating, when I shut down my first business, it was like, okay, I'm a marketer who can't market my own business. It's, that's what it felt like, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, it, I think that in our youth, we have some idea that, that those things stay in their own lane. And in our, um, you know, midlife and beyond, um, we just have a better appreciation for ain't nothing in its own way. <laughs> like it's all right. interconnected. So if I'm not doing well over here, I'm just not doing well. Like the whole thing right. goes down a little bit. And so you're going to have to figure out a way um, not to lean into the things you think are working because what you'll end up doing is kind of burning yourself at both ends, so to speak. And that's not good for anybody. Right. And oftentimes we're terrible at doing the thing that we do for other people, yes. for ourselves. And that's not unusual. And there's really, I mean, we need to stop beating ourselves up for it because 
There's nothing wrong with that. We we can see other people's situations from an outside perspective. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we can be good at helping them with their marketing or helping them with, you know, as a therapist. Exactly. And I, I would go one step further as a clinical psychologist and given the training that I have, oftentimes we find ourselves out in the world doing a thing and delivering a service to somebody else that is the very thing that we need ourselves. And so if you're really good at something and then you find you're lacking in that, that's not an uncommon experience to have to reconcile. Um, and I think that there's just something about like hitting those late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, where you're just like that stuff slapping you in the face right and left. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for a lot of people, I think they they may have um, given up some of the vices that that allowed them to not see those things right. when you're young and you can get away with it. Yep. Uh, also, now is the time when people are going through so many other transitions, like kids are growing up and moving away, not needing right. you or parents are passing away, or friends are passing away. Yep. And now you're looking at things from a totally different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was very powerful when I heard your story and going through what you did in losing your mother. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it's those kinds of life events where we've just had some magical thinking and it, 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 oh that death will never touch me i'm in my 20s i'm in my mm -hmm. early 30s that's never going to be a thing and then it's a thing it's like oh my gosh it's not just a thing it's a thing with the people i love and care about most i mean those are the kinds of tear in the universe kind of yeah. stuff that really gets us paying attention and i think um, and I loved hearing your story and like how you went into covid too because i think covid did that for a time yeah, I think it was this fabric in the universe ripped moment. Like, oh shit, we don't have control over like anything. Like, right. really? Like, right. ooh, I better get, I better really reckon with what are the things I do actually have control of instead of putting all of my eggs in the basket of if I just stay in this routine, my life is going to be perfect because that routine can be gone in a moment's notice, and right. it, not just for you, but for people everywhere. Yeah. And that's what uh, keeps people that when you stay in that routine and not paying attention to what's going on in your life around you, whatever, that's how you end up at 85. If you're lucky enough to live that long, 85, 90, 100, uh, going, wait a second, where did my whole life go? Yeah. Right. It's It feels like a blink, but it wasn't, uh, you know, the days well, are the days are long and the years are short. But, yeah, you can it, you can end up on that side if you never had an interruption like that majorly shook you. It, never having really reckoned with I, shoot like I really yeah. wasn't in my life. I was kind of doing the the program of life, but I, I wasn't really in it in it. Yeah, they talk about they, I don't know who they are, but they, they <laughs> about the, the biggest regrets of people at the end of their life. And it's that they didn't take the risks. And, and I talked about that in a recent episode, a solo episode about not, you know, people regret what they didn't do, right. the risks they did not take, as opposed to the things they did do or the risks they did take, even if those risks didn't turn out the way they expected or anticipated. Right, right. Almost no one is disappointed in putting themselves in the position of taking a risk when you look at it in hindsight. They yeah. might be disappointed in the outcome if it didn't turn in the fashion that they wanted, but people are never really disappointed in their their 
taking action. Yeah, their you know, choice their, to do it. Their choice to do it. Yeah. What What's something that you have taken action on that you were scared to do? So I would say that that one of the biggest, like, I thought it was just like going into coaching or going into private practice. I would have said that to you a few years ago. But just recently in my private practice, I reduced my caseload down to 25% of what I used to do. And the way that I did this is I took all the insurance panel off the table. I was like, I'm not, I I won't play with insurance companies anymore. I have a lot of ethical and business Mm -hmm. reasons for that, but I just do not agree with how they treat the mental health field and that undervalue our services. So I went to fee for service as a paid, you know, you pay out of pocket essentially. And in doing that, like a lot of people just take you off the list. If they see that you won't take insurance, then immediately they write you off. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a single parent. So to reduce to 25% of what you expected out of that business line's income is significant. And this coaching business was not making any money for me at that time. It was still just being generated. And so that was a big risk for me to take. But I couldn't have done what I've done so far with Learn to Love Your Story had I not taken that risk because this needed my time and my Mm -hmm. focus that I couldn't give to it when I was putting all the time and effort into business. Um, but I didn't have capital behind me. I didn't have anybody's back. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately, when you're the only adult in the house paying the bills, uh, they don't get paid if you don't get money that's coming in. So right. I had, you know, I had to take a huge risk with that. But it, it, and while it has been very challenging, it has been very rewarding to watch myself manage all of my anxious feelings around that and really put into action the kind of stuff that I teach other women to do. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's a great lesson in there because you said you were, one, you were following your values that you don't believe in the way that the insurance companies are doing business and you didn't want to be a part of that. So you stood for your value Mm -hmm. there. Absolutely. Yeah. And then just uh, having that faith and having that trust that, yes, this is scary. I And secondly, I don't have like a trust fund or anybody else backing me up here. Because I hear that from a lot of people a lot of times. They're like, well, I can't take that risk because, right? uh, you know, insert your excuse here. Exactly. You had that excuse and you said, well, I don't care. Fuck that. I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. And it was a legitimate excuse and it had fueled why I wasn't doing, making Mm -hmm. that choice for a long time. And I, I made a lot of people that love me dearly very uncomfortable when I made this decision. They were like, Ooh, you know, like, are you prioritizing this, this business venture over your kids? You Mm -hmm. know, your kid is going off to college. And I'm like, I'm still paying off my college school loans. Like, uh, hopefully we're both going to pay them off with whatever this becomes <laughs> of. But like, there's ways of dealing with that. I didn't have yeah. parents that could pay my way through. And so I'm teaching him the same way I was taught. Like, you just got to figure this out. Get your grants, get your scholarships, and then get loans for whatever else you've got left. And mm-hmm. we'll figure, you know, we'll finance and figure that out later. How how we'll pay for your education. I'm like, I don't think that this is not in alignment with my values at all. I think it's very much in alignment with my values. I was looking up for the little guy, which in my case is, you know, both the clinicians and the end users are clients. I don't think it's served by how health insurance 
um, decides and dictates what prices are for mm-hmm. different types of therapy. In fact, you specialty therapy and getting specialty therapy doesn't get really paid for through insurance. There are a couple of exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, you get paid for your time, which means somebody with 20 years experience in a doctorate gets paid the same as a graduate school clinical supervisee that I'm supervising. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like no, it just it doesn't on, make any sense. It just makes no business sense. So I'm like standing up for both of us that you should get the quality of what you want. If you want to see somebody that's a specialist that's been doing this a while, then go pay for it. It's a higher price. Mm-hmm. Or if this is your first time in, you know, therapy, go and try somebody new and see see what that does for you. But I was really standing up for that little guy. And I would say, I, you know, just to tie it all back to your first question, I was looking out for myself with my work ethic because I knew I could do this because ain't nobody going to stand up for me like I'm going to stand up for me. And I like I like to overwork maybe too much. So I do have to kind of watch that. But I was like, no, if anybody can do this, I've got the the perseverance to put put in the work, do the time, build the relationships, you know, give the creative work what it needs and have the systems in place to make this go. Yeah. Yeah, I, that and the other thing that you had said earlier was that you made everybody else uncomfortable. But I don't know that that was exactly the best phrasing of the words because you didn't make them anything. I no, I go after true. this all the time. People are like, "Well, he made me angry." No, he didn't. You chose to accept to be angry. They did. Like we choose how to feel, right? So, right. I can see how you uh, you would have your actions could have contributed to their feeling uncomfortable. Yes. And that's on them. Again, that's not a reason to not do the thing that your heart is telling you to do. Yeah. And in fact, I think in, you know, my program, I talk about it like it's a rumble strip back. You know, you're going off the, you're on a new highway. You want to take this new road. And when you try to drift off that road to your old path, you'll feel that rumble strip. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it comes in the form of things like everybody else is uncomfortable with the decision you're making, which ding, ding, ding means you're still on the new road because they would be comfortable if you were on your old road. So you're hitting a rumble strip and it feels ishy in the moment, but you can take that information as validation that you're actually on the path that you've designed for yourself. It's a new path. Other people don't know what to expect or see of you in that path, but that's okay. They'll learn. They'll get comfortable over time once they see what this is bringing for you. Right. I love that. Right. Mm -hmm. They will get comfortable. They'll adjust. Like we're very uh, flexible as humans and and animals are too, but I to adjust to things, but nobody likes the initial change. No. That's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar. And yeah, it's a different, yeah. it's a well-worn path. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you start going down the new path, I love that you that, that it shows you that you're, you're on the yeah. right path. You're on and, the right path. That's a rumble yeah. strip that's like, you're trying to get off this and you don't want to get off. Like you want to stay in your lane here yeah. that you've set out for yourself. Um, but sometimes it represents, you know, it shows up in ways that we, you know, we formerly would have thought, oh, well, everybody should be on board. If everybody's mm-hmm. on board with me, then I've got my support. And that doesn't always show up the way that we think it's going to show up. I'm thinking of it like, yeah, they're supporting you. 
they're telling you you're still on this new path. They don't know that's what they're saying. They think what they're saying is, don't do this, go do the old thing. But if they're saying, don't do this, go do the old thing, we know where the old path goes. Right. It goes to that old life that you didn't want, that yeah. wasn't in alignment with your values. So let's bring you back. Yes. I Yeah. Like I said, I love this way of looking at that means you're on the right path mm-hmm. or you're on the path that you should be on at the moment, which is, again, the right path. Like yeah. there, there's no totally. wrong decision. No. Yeah. Um, there was something you said and I wanted to come back to it, but now I forgot. So that's how my brain works. Uh, <laughs> take a little sip of, of tea while you think a little more. We'll we'll come back to it. Um, oh, I know what it was. So what you're talking about is when your when your familiar friends, family, community is not supporting you. This is another reason why it's so important to have a coach or a, yes. a peer group that does support you. Who, yes. who did you have when you were going through your transition that made? that made people uncomfortable? <laughs> that is, that's a great question. I found groups of people that could help me be in alignment with this new scary thing. So one of them ended up being, it was, I, I'm writing um, the book uh, that goes along with my online course. And it was a writer's accountability group. It was a small group of women that just decided we needed a little extra. We had paid to be in, you know, a program that was kind of coaching us through the writing process. Okay. But on the side had this like communication like, well, it'd be nice to just meet for an hour or two, maybe once a week, maybe once mm-hmm. every other week or something just to kind of cheer each other on. Uh-huh. And I always find value in those types of communities. I create those communities. So I, of course, I was like, yes, I'm all in. Like, where do I sign up? And I joined this writer's accountability group, which really became kind of more of a mastermind for what we were all writing our books for, mm-hmm. what we were in pursuit of. And some of us were doing it for business. Some of us were doing it for other reasons. <clears throat> but the mastermind of just coming together as a group and being able to say, Man, this is this is tough when your sister and your friend are really worried because uh, bills are tight and they want you to go back to a salary job and you just know, like, I know it's a high price tag to pay things like premium for your health insurance out of pocket. And to you, that seems really scary. But to me, it just signifies like I'm in charge, like I'm buying that product and I want it to be that premium. And I'm going to make sure that I have that dollar sign at the end of the month with this other pursuit because I want to be in charge of what I'm doing. Like that's what's more important to me is that I'm running my businesses in the way that are in alignment with who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. And if I go back to a salary job, even the best of jobs might hit that 70% of the time, which means I got to deal with that 30% that I don't want to anymore. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And then do you have an ongoing, um, group or peer yeah. peer group so that now. It, it it like has dwindled over time i still do that writers accountability group but two of us have um, been having conversations about making it a truly a mastermind group for those of us that have businesses that go with our books mm-hmm. um, around how do we help build our businesses because gotcha. you know if we derailed into too much of that conversation then that wasn't really great for the people that were there just for the writing yeah. so she and i have had a couple conversations so that should be coming 
in October, November-ish for me to to do that. But it is, I mean, that group was, I was there every week. I might not have written a dang thing, Lori, <laughs> <laughs> writing a accountability group. I might not have written anything for the book yet. And uh, yet I showed up because having those women just tell their stories and me listen and then tell mine and just feel like, oh yeah, okay, I feel I feel good. I'm I'm right in the right place where I need to be feeling this discomfort from my friends and family because they don't see what I see ahead of me. They're not visualizing what's coming for me yet. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so it's so important to have those yeah. that that support. You know, I've been interviewed on a lot of uh, in a lot of places too. And one of the questions I've gotten in the past is like, as a, what would you recommend to a new entrepreneur? And this, so this doesn't even actually, it's not just for entrepreneurs, but like, what's the one piece of advice that you would give somebody who's just starting out? Yes. And, and it's always get yourself around people who will support yeah. your success and celebrate your success with you, which is a whole other, it just not just yes. supporting it, but celebrating it because I am guessing I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you may be just as terrible at celebrating things as I oh, am. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Just from what you've said already. Who, what woman do you know that was taught to celebrate the small things? Like, no, none of us. We yeah. were all told, like, if you have your better homes and garden house or your HGTV house, then you can celebrate. But you can't celebrate if you went out and bought some throw pillows and made the couch look nicer. Right? So we're yes. always in this chase with where we want to be and never really, I, I don't know a lot of women that are taught to to celebrate those small steps. So you're absolutely right. That is one of the, the facets of community, whatever that community is for you, that, you know, you need people around you that are saying, good for you. You held your own in that, right? You didn't, right. you haven't arrived at the goal yet, but you held true to whatever this value is or this goal pursuit is. And that's worth celebrating too. Absolutely. It's it's even recognizing the small steps to celebrate. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah because we're not going to see it. They're going to no. probably see it before we see it. They'll walk right. in and say, those are new pillows on your couch before right. ever, before we like give ourselves credit where we've done a little thing here. I mean, yeah. that's just an example, but it's you yes. know, like we've been given a lot of this socially conditioned idea of what a, a you know, good life looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do try our hardest to be the best moms and to you know, volunteer and do the best in our communities and be the best employees and be the best friend and all of that stuff. But it, it, we never are giving ourselves credit for the journey. We're only yes. thinking that we'll be able to give ourselves credit at the end of that journey. Well, most of life is the journey, you right. know, so we're missing out on valuable time that we could be celebrating. Exactly. There really is no end point until the very end. The very end. You don't get to a place where you're like, okay, now I'm just going to coast. Like, I don't know. We have this idea that this place exists. Yeah. Well, I think we've been taught that that place exists. I think that's the premise on which things like perfectionism are built is this idea that there's an arrival and it's the destination. But then we're just constantly under that destination fatigue under the fatigue yeah. of being in pursuit, but not giving ourselves credit for the pursual. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is that saying that the, the, um, what now it, 
what's this? What is this saying about the journey being, um, the, it's um, not that it's not the destination, it's the yeah. journey. It and I'm the, always yeah. like, but no, I just want to freaking be there. I don't want to spend six hours in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I spent lots of hours in the car this summer, so I can, I, I have like so, a visceral so, response as you so, say that. So However, I, that's why I said it. <laughs> but I, but I think that there are some people that enjoy just the trip itself, yeah. right? And so the beauty of the human brain and the human psyche is it can evolve all across our lifetime. There isn't like a point at which it can't learn new things. And so if what you found is you were doing it that way for a long time, this is kind of my premise for women is that's fine. And it might have even worked for you for years and years mm -hmm. to do it that way. It isn't now. It doesn't serve you now. So is there a different way? Is there another way that we could help you try on where you celebrate, you know, being in the car for six hours instead of just the destination being the, the end? Right. Right. And, right. and I do. And I do think that there's some places we can lean into with that because we did get good at looking, you know, trying to prepare for something, trying to prepare for a party, trying to make sure our kids were the best kids by being good moms or by trying to be an employee that, you know, was the team player. And so we have some gifts where we are actually pretty good at staying in that process. Mm -hmm. Now we just have to learn to reward ourselves for the process itself instead of only what the process gets us. Yes. That's the shift, right? Yes. So not rewriting the whole thing. We can anchor it to stuff we already do. But there is a shift in how we view it and take a perspective around it. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. The process, rewarding yourself for sticking with the process. Yes. That is the true celebration. That's the true celebration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That is the key takeaway right there. Cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what are the things that you do on a regular basis to keep yourself in the right headspace? Sure. I meditate daily and, uh, you know, I tell people there's kind of a, a point of a diminishing returns at about somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes a day. The research shows gives you the same value as those of us that'll do it for 30 plus minutes a day, right? So if you can just work yourself up to that time, but that is a practice I would not give up at mm. all. And I am a zealot about the right kind of self-care. So not self-care that's an indulgence, like an, a reward for things, not self-care that is only meant to help you manage stress. Um, those are good forms of self-care or, or components of self-care. But I'm talking about the kind of things you do for yourself on the on a daily basis. Sometimes there's things you do weekly or monthly or whatever. But you know, what is it that you're doing that makes you want to stay in your life? Like be mm. here for all of it, for the good and the not good, right? That's self-care. And so I have a pretty robust self-care plan and I work with people to create those for themselves. But if you're not doing those two things, um, it's really hard to get by in life. It just, you're, it's, you know, it's like asking yourself to run a marathon with only training for a couple weeks versus asking yourself to run a marathon when you've been running your whole life. It just makes it that much harder to do life. So yeah. daily meditation and, you know, some form of self-care that you've got a routine around regularly that helps you want to stay in your life. Those are my two that I just are not, they're not negotiable. Yeah. I'm just writing this down because that 
is another brilliant point of what is it that you're doing that makes you want to stay in your life? Yes. Wow. Yes. Because life is hard. Let's be honest about it, right? It some uh, some parts of it are great and some parts of it are hard. And if you want to create a life that has less hardness, you're kind of in the wrong pursuit, honestly. You want to just create a life where you want to be in it no matter what's coming at you because you know you can handle it. Right. Right. And that it isn't always that way. I mean, part of my, you know, forms of self-care are doing kinds of meditation that switch my thinking around how I approach challenge in my life. Instead of thinking of it as failure, that I'm thinking of it as opportunity instead of, you know, thinking the hard stuff is somehow representing that I did something wrong, trying to see what what is the universe telling me here? What is God, whatever your version of that? What is it telling me? Because it is feeling rough. So there must be something to be learned here. So some of my self-care is about how do I reframe those times instead of getting so bogged down in those times. The times are going to show up whether we want them to or don't. (laughs) It's a matter of how how you respond. Yeah. Yeah. How do I respond to that is really that my self-care is a lot of is a lot of how I reframe the tougher stuff for me. That's what it is all about. It's about reframing it and not expecting that it's always going to work out the way you anticipated because that rarely happens. But like you said, then what, what can I learn from this? How do I reframe the situation? It's not because you are a bad person or because, Mm -hmm. you know, you deserve it or whatever. It, that's just how it played out. Yeah. And in one of the things, one of the elements I have in my staying calm and chaos program is that acceptance, like, okay, stopping and going, all right, well, this is where it is. This is what it looks like. Yeah. Not what I expected, not what I wanted. But this is what is now. You can't go back. Can't can't hit reverse and drive backwards. But here I am now. Now, yeah. what do I do moving forward? Because as soon as you can accept that this is where you are and stop yes. fighting that you hate that this is where you are, that's what you're then, saying. Yeah. Then you're in a whole different position to show up in your life and do something about right. it. You have now the power as opposed mm-hmm. to holding yourself as a victim. Correct. Correct. And I I would say that some people have gotten the impression that acceptance is kind of a passive thing, and it's not. What you, no. How you're describing it is exactly how I define it. It's an active stage, yeah. and you have to be doing the work to be accepting and open-minded about things. It is not a, okay, I accept it. It is what it is, and then I move on from it like it was this passive I just name that right. I'm accepting. No, acceptance is is takes some elbow grease. Like it takes some it takes it is, some real work from us psychically to stay in that open minded, flexible state of agility. Yes, yeah, it's powerful as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, victim mode, and it is. Um, it's not complacency. Acceptance no. is not complacency. No. Uh, so, to your point, yes, thank you for mm-hmm. explaining that. Wow, this has been. Such a good conversation. Like, I feel like I we know. could continue talking all we afternoon. Continue. We could. <laughs> I knew it, Lori. I knew when I spoke to you the first time, I, I was like, yes, this. I like this lady. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Before we part ways, though, two things. One, what's your hype song? <laughs> when when so, you're having those days where you're like, I need some extra energy. 
Yep. Yep. I, I'm i horrible at the name of it. It's a Lizzo song. I sent it to you, but let me look it up again. I know. My my kids just want to smack me that I, I, you know, my brain is full of lots of things. Can we yes, talk about well, it? That's the problem. Or, and or so, the challenge for all of us, like we think, oh, I'm, I just can't remember things because I'm getting old, which makes no. me want to jump out of my skin and strangle somebody. That it's not it, that age is not an excuse. No, it's no, because no. we have so much incoming information. It's hard it's... for our brains to process it all and hold on to it. That's really the challenge. It's not exactly. has nothing to do with age. Yeah. So I have hard time. I have a hard time remembering music lyrics and music song names um but I, it's lizzo it's about damn time is my oh, yes. it would be my theme song song because i just love how the lyrics in that start um it hits bad bitch o'clock which is just that's oh, just love my it. style yep <laughs> <laughs> but she talks from the right from the beginning like we're going to be getting into our feelings our feelings and then she always takes everything in this kind of self-empowered direction which ultimately is what i'm trying to help everybody do but i try to help myself do that too so that's my theme song that's my pep song if i need if if we're in the car and i need a little jolt of something then it's usually lizzo that i put on she's <laughs> and so she's good. from minnesota so there oh i didn't know that yeah okay. Yeah, she's All a hometown right. girl here in the Twin Cities. Very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then that leads right into uh, empowering other women, which is so if somebody wants to continue the conversation with yeah. you, where do they find you? They find me at learntoloveyourstory.com. You can click on how to work with Dr. Natalie if you want to learn a little bit more on how to live work with me personally. And then the other thing that I would direct them to do is just to find my Midlife Crisis to a Centered Life Thriving podcast, because I am super loving, enjoying doing that and have all sorts of free material already out there from my first season from 2023. And I'll be closing that out and starting a new season in the new year. Awesome. And Mm -hmm. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well, because we mentioned that back in the beginning that we were going to share how people can listen to my episode as well as all of the other cool guests you've had. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Natalie, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I love talking with Dr. Natalie when I was a guest on her From Midlife Crisis to Centered Life Thriving show. We had such a good time, it only made sense to invite her to come tell her story here. These are the key takeaways. Number one, when Natalie stopped accepting insurance in her therapy practice, her business decreased by 75% just when she needed the money the most. It was scary, but upholding her value of looking out for the little guy opened new vistas, and empowered her to help others see beyond their barriers so they could experience levels of success they never knew were possible. Number two, the decisions you make for your own best interest can make other people uncomfortable. In Natalie's case, people questioned how she could reduce her practice just as her son needed money for college. Their expression of their own fears put both her core values, work ethic, and helping others to the test. Number three, these same people may urge you to go back to doing things the way you used to because that's a well-paved road. But you already know where that road goes, which means you're going to find yourself out of alignment with your values. 
That's when everything stagnates at fine. Number four, celebrate everything. Even celebrating getting a new set of throw pillows for the couch. The more you find things to celebrate, the more the universe brings you to celebrate. Number five, the beauty of the human brain can be found in its ability to evolve over your lifetime. You can always learn new things. Number six, it's perfectly okay to reward yourself for going through the process, whether or not you get the results you want. People at the end of their lives regret the risks they didn't take more than not getting the results they expected from those risks. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.